feel like I say this every week, but I've really loved this series. I've enjoyed it, you know, as pastor getting to kind of pour over the word and study and come up with sermons and, and preach. I've really enjoyed the sermon. God's opened my eyes to things, and uh, hopefully he's done that for you as well. But uh, I'm excited about this morning. Just a few things to kind of tack onto our announcements. That sign-up sheet in the back isn't just for if you're willing to bring some things to the bonfire, but we would like to know if you're going to come. So that's next week. Uh, end Saturday, okay, the 8th, we're going to meet at that Aurora Corn Maze, and we have got a bonfire site located, and so uh, we would love for everybody to be here, even if you don't plan on doing any of the activities, you just want to sit around the bonfire, uh, roast hot dogs, make some s'mores, that type of thing, we would absolutely love for you to join us. I know that my family is going to be there, and so we have fun every time we do it, and we're excited about that, and so please, please come join us. We would love to see you outside of these four walls and, and get to hang out with you for sure. Um, you know, this week I already told you I had a really long week. Yesterday I packed in as much as I possibly could trying to get stuff done just because I don't have time in the week to do it. And uh, this morning Winifred decided that she should wake us up at 4 a.m. So uh, I can't get her to wake up for school throughout the week, but you know, any day on the weekend it's 4 a.m. and she comes in like a just a stampeding herd of rhinoceros is just do, 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 boom, like breaks the door. I don't think she even turns the handle of our bedroom door. She just bursts through and then you hear, I want breakfast. And I'm like, it's 4 a.m. I'm going to feed you to somebody else if you don't leave. So <laughs> if I yawn at any point today, just note it. Uh, I'm blaming her and not the fact that I didn't sleep that much last night. But last week we talked about uh, Jesus' ability to cure our thirst, right? Our soul's thirst, our desire to figure out why we're here, what we're doing here, what our purpose is. Um, And this week, we're looking at how he can cure our hunger, specifically our hunger for the things of this world, okay? And so we're going to be in John. We're going to be in chapter 6, verses 25 through 40. I'm going to try to turn this sound off so it doesn't beep again. I don't know how I even got it on there. Let's see if that works. Okay. Well, uh, so just to give you kind of a little background, again, we're going to be in chapter 6, 25 through 40. Those verses take place after uh, Jesus feeds the 5,000. So in the same chapter, he feeds the 5,000, he multiplies the bread uh, and the fish, and he's able to feed just this great multitude of crowd uh, out of one boy's lunch. I mean, that's what occurs, right? And then he sends his disciples across the way, and he goes off to pray, and then walks out on the water, right, to their boat. And uh, that's when Peter says, if you really are Jesus, call me out. And he starts walking, and then he starts doubting, and then he starts sinking, and then Jesus is like, hey, you have little faith, right? This is what's occurring. And so what we see here is Jesus kind of on the other side of that journey across the sea, the lake, whatever they were on, right? And so what was happening is this crowd that he had fed was looking for him, and we kind of pick up there, right? So starting in verse 25, it says, when they found him, meaning that crowd, on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. So last week, like I said, we talked about Christ's ability to quench our soul's thirst. Well, this week, we look at how he's able to quench our hunger for the things of this world. Ladies, I need you to stop typing to each other on the app, on the messenger app. I'm seeing all of it. Stop typing. Stop typing. It keeps popping up. I love you. 
Okay, I apologize. Now, so last week we talked about quenching thirst. This week we're talking about kind of quenching that hunger for the things of this world. So he starts out our passage today by delivering some really hard truths. After feeding the 5,000 and walking on water, he is pursued by those that he cared for in that crowd. But the reason that he's pursued is not because they saw the miraculous things that they did, not because he had inspired faith in them to believe, but because they were after the material gain that they could receive from Jesus, mainly the fact that they got a really nice free meal and they were able to eat their fill. It was the first ever buffet. So uh, there you go. Jesus did it for us. Thank you, Lord. Right. But he goes on to say, you're seeking me out because I fed you, not because you believe in me, not because you saw the signs and because you have faith, but because I fed you. You're here for the material goods that I can offer. You aren't here because of your faith. And as Christians, we have to make sure that we kind of fight against that because uh, a lot of times it can be really easy to uh, look at Christ for the things that he can provide us that are materialistic in this world, right? I'm going to chase after, I'm going to pursue God because he is a God who answers prayers and because I want these things and I know that he can provide these things. And so that's why I'm in this relationship with him. But what happens when we kind of approach Christ in that way is when the answer is no to those prayers. When we don't get the things that we want to receive, well, our relationship kind of crumbles. It's kind of one of those things, well, if you don't want to give me what I want, then I don't want to be with you anyways type deals, right? And so we have to make sure that we are avoiding that and pursuing Christ and pursuing God because of who they are and because they deserve to be pursued rather than what it is that they can give. Christ is trying to make it clear to them that I can sustain you in a way that will never perish right? Last week, it was the water that would allow you to never thirst again. Well, this week, it's the bread that will allow you to to never hunger again. It won't spoil. It doesn't go away. It doesn't disappear. It is eternal sustainment. I'm offering to sustain you in a way that will never perish. And importantly, Christ points out from a very God-approved source, The question I have for us today is why do some of us, myself included, work so hard for perishable gain? Why do we work so hard for perishable gain? Now, I know that there have been times in my life, and at times I feel like I may be in one of those times now where I just work and I 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 work work because I need to work, right? We all need to work. We all have bills. We all have to pay bills. We all need food and shelter. There are things that we need to be able to function in this life. But sometimes we work so much and we devote so much of our time and so much of our energy to doing these things in order to obtain these things that are just going to fade away. And the only way to get them back is to continue to pour in to work and work and work and work. And what happens when we are chasing after these perishable things and we're not putting enough time and effort into the things that are lasting, into our relationship with God? into our children, into our spouse, into our relationships, into these things that will have this lasting effect. It's just completely deteriorating of the human being. It exhausts you. Some of you know exactly how I feel. And it's not even that you're pursuing necessarily bad things. It's just that maybe you're pursuing too many things. You're just doing too much. I saw that, by the way. That was awesome. Uh, 
you're just pursuing too much. You find yourself always busy, and then the things that are important to you kind of get put on the back burner. Again, not even intentionally, it just happens. And then you find yourself 20 years down the road thinking, man, I wish I would have done those things differently. Or maybe it's six months down the road, and you're thinking, I really wish I would have made a different decision here so that I could have had the time and the energy to put into the things that are lasting, the things that are eternal. Christ asked them in verse 28, or they asked Christ in verse 28, I'm sorry, what must we do to do the works God requires? Here's the thing. The people are not total morons. They are not total morons. They understand that God requires something of them, that there is something on their part that they have to do in order to receive this unperishable bread, but they are at a loss for what that is. And so they do what everyone should do when they have questions. They ask. They ask, what do we have to do? What works can we do that will please God enough that he will give us this bread? We want this everlasting sustainment. We don't want to hunger anymore. We will do what it takes, say the word. What is it that we have to do? Jesus answered in 29, the work of God is this, to believe in the one who he has sent. I want you to think about that for a minute. Jesus is offering this heaven bread. It never expires. It never goes stale. When you push on the top of the bag at the store, it is soft. It bounces back. It's like something between Iron Kids and Wonder Bread. It's fantastic. And it never, ever goes bad. So of course these people want it. I mean, I want it too, right? This sounds great. It would be fantastic to have to never hunger again, to never have to work for sustainment, to just have it. So what do we have to do? I, I, I'll do these things. How do I get it? What do I need to do in order to receive the prize? And Christ responds with, there's nothing that you have to do other than put your faith in the one that God has sent. Just believe. Just believe. Now, we all know when something sounds too good to be true, right? We all know when something sounds too good to be true. Like you get on Facebook and you see those ads for like the $200 Rolex or the you know, $20 designer brand sunglasses and you're thinking, what foreign country is this being shipped from or who put this thing on there to take my money that I'll never see the product for, right? We all know a deal when we see it that's just too good to be true. And this sounds like one of those deals. And when something sounds too good to be true, the truth is that it probably is. So there's no way that someone's just going to give them this eternity bread. It's just not going to happen. But Christ makes it abundantly clear. And if we look at the character of God and the character of Christ, it should be no surprise that God's gift, his providence, is just that, a gift. It's just that, it's a gift. Read scripture. You don't even have to read it all. Just hit the big stories. You'll see it time and time again that God provides out of his love for us a love that we don't deserve. It started with Adam and Eve in the garden. Think about it. They had everything they needed. Not only did they have everything that they needed, but they got to be in a personal relationship with the creator. They walked alongside God. It was perfect. And everything was provided for. 
Everything was provided for. We screwed that up. Think about Noah's Ark. Think about Noah's Ark. A gift. Out of all of creation, he saw Noah as the one thing, the one thing worthy of saving. And he thought, what? I'll start fresh with this guy, right? But what a gift to deliver that message to Noah, to let him know that the ark needed to be built in the first place. And then we move on from there. We can look at the exile. The Israelites held in captivity in Egypt, slaves, beaten, downtrodden. What happens? God sends Moses to deliver his people to the promised land. Again, not a gift that was deserved, but a gift all the same. Each time we see a story like this, all it takes to receive the gift is to have the faith in order to reach out and accept it. It's all it takes. That's it. Noah just had to have faith that if he built the ark, the rains would come. The Israelites had to have faith that if they followed Moses, he would take them to that promised land. Scripture is filled with tales of God's unimaginable goodness. And yet, knowing this, seeing this, having this proof, having this foundation, having this support, we still find ways to ask questions like they ask in verse 30, where it says, so they ask him, what sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. You see, so often we beg God for signs as if our current state of blessing isn't enough. I'm going to say that again. So often we beg God for signs as if our current state of blessing isn't enough. This is not a new crowd of people. That's important to remember. This is not a new crowd of people. This is not a group of people who's encountering Jesus for the first time. It was just days before that he had multiplied loaves and fish to feed thousands of people. Just days, same crowd. And here they are asking God, the son of God, who is God because God deemed it so. Here they are asking him for proof. Well, what sign are you going to do? How quickly we forget about the blessing that God has placed in our lives. Always demanding something else. Always demanding more so that we might believe. So that we might have proof. They needed more than just Jesus feeding the 5,000. Because you see their ancestors were fed for 40 years in the wilderness. Their claim by Moses, right? Moses fed us in the wilderness. For 40 years, we ate manna from heaven. But they show the error in human thought. You see, part of the reason our blessing isn't proof enough for us is because we don't credit God with what's been given already. We don't give God the credit for the blessing in our lives. We give it to other sources. I've been blessed. I have what I have because I've worked hard. I've worked my tail off. That's why I have what I have. God didn't give it to me. I got this job because I knew a guy who knew a guy, right? That person got me this job. Not God, 
My company writes my check. The place I work for, they cut the check. They put it in my bank account. It's direct deposited. God didn't do that. We see all these blessings that we have in life and we like to give other people the credit. It's me, it's that guy, it's them. They did it. Where's God in that equation? That's a question that you have to answer for yourself. Where is God in that equation? I would be lying to you if if I stood up here and said, I've always seen the blessing in my life as a gift from God. A lot of times I've had the same attitude I just spoke about. No, I've worked my tail off. I've worked really hard for that. That's my money. Those are my things. I earned it, right? But I failed to see how God has blessed me tremendously in every which way, how he has written my story since the beginning to get me to the place and the point that I am today. God's hand was over it all, over all of it. From the place I live, to the places I've gone to school, to the parents that he blessed me with, to the grandparents that he blessed me with, right? To the different jobs that I found myself in. God has had his hand over all of those things. So part of the reason that our blessing isn't proof enough for us is because we look at all the things we've been blessed with and we don't see God as the source of that blessing. And that's got to be fixed. That's got to be changed. It doesn't take me long to know how much, how blessed I've been, you know, working in a middle school. They, they're very honest with you. So for those of you that don't know, Jarek and I work at the same school. Kids are just now getting to the point where they're realizing that we're married, right? And boys will come up to me, eighth grade, seventh grade boys, and they'll go, Miss Huff, is your wife? And I'll say, yeah. And they'll go, huh. I'm like, oh, okay. Or they'll go, I have one, I have one little boy come up to me and go, Miss Huff is your wife? Just yelled it at me while I'm using the restroom, by the way, so that was awkward. Miss Huff is your wife? And I'm like, yeah, she's my wife. And he just goes, that makes no sense, and just turned around and walked out of the restroom. <laughs> I thought, well, he's not wrong, right? He's not wrong. And I wish that was like a single occurrence, but it's happening weekly now, where people are just coming, they're like, this doesn't make any sense. And I can't get mad at him because it's completely true. It just doesn't make a lot of sense. It doesn't. But God has blessed me. And for some reason, Jerrica looked on me with favor 11, 12 years ago, right? 15 now, really, all together. But I don't know why. I can't tell you why. Maybe I was just, you know, somebody with a rational confidence who swung for someone out of my league, and for whatever reason, she was dumb enough to say yes the first time. And then just my overwhelming charm and actual good looks took over. I'm kidding, of course, but God bless me. I look at my daughters, both born premature, both healthy and as smart as can be. I'm not going to lie to you. I wish they were a little bit more dumb. Life would be so much easier if that was the case. There'd be so many less questions, not a whole lot of whys, right? They wouldn't argue with me like logically and have better points than I do to where I just have to say, shut up and go away. That's usually how we end most arguments. You know what? Shut up. Go away. And they're like, all right. And then I hear them go, mom, dad's wrong again, right? Like, I have been blessed. I have been blessed. It'd be really easy for me to look at blessing and say, somehow I did that. 
but I know that it is God that has blessed me. Verse 32, Jesus responds to them after they ask for this sign, show us some miracle, prove to us that that you can offer us this sustainment, prove to us that you are the one that we should desire, prove to us that you are the son of God. And then he's like, hey, you need to remember something real quick. He starts off by saying, very truly, I tell you, which is the biblical way of saying, listen up, dummy, right? Listen up, because you're about to get some truth. You're about to hear something that is truly true. It is not Moses who has given the bread from heaven. No, Moses was blessed. But it wasn't Moses that gave you that bread. It was my father who gives you the true bread from heaven. 33, for the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. See, you want to compare me to Moses. You want a sign like Moses gave you, but the bread never came from Moses. It came from God blessing Moses. It came from Moses loving and following God. That's how the blessing occurred. It may seem like Moses is the source, but let me tell you, the heaven bread, all God. The heaven bread was all God. And so 34, they say, sir, always give us this bread. Sir, always give us this bread. How similar to last week's plea for water. Remember, she desired the water. Of course I want the water. Of course I I never want to thirst again. Give me this water to drink. In 35, it goes on, Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me and you still do not believe. All those the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me that I shall lose none of all those he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up in the last day. Do you want your soul's thirst quench? Believe in Jesus. Do you want your hunger for worldly possessions to cease being your life's motivation. Try Jesus. Believe in Jesus. He makes clear it's one thing to see and believe. That would make it really easy, right? If Christ just came down and we got to see him walk on water and he was able to turn the bag of candy back there into 12 bags of candy and He just did all of these miraculous, wondrous things and he took away our pain and he healed those of us that are sick and he healed the broken and he just did all those things right here in front of us. It would be really easy to say, oh, Christ, we believe in you. Or maybe we'd be human and we'd still get it wrong and we'd chase after him so that we could get more of those things rather than because we have put our faith and our trust in him and seeing that he is a God who loves us who provides for us, who wants what's best for us. See, it's one thing to see and believe, but the biggest blessing remains for those who haven't experienced his miracles and yet choose to believe. 
Here's what I need you to know if you knew nothing else. What we need other people to know if they know nothing else. Their pardon. Their pardon for sin. And remember, the wages of sin is death. Their pardon for sin is signed, it is sealed, and it has been delivered by Christ should you choose to believe in him. Should you choose to place your faith in him. I'm going to read 40 for you one more time. Verse 40, for my father's will is that everyone who looks to the son and believes in him shall have eternal life and I will raise them up in the last day. Will you believe? Will you believe? It is absolutely a choice. It is absolutely a choice. It's a choice that you can make right here, right now, today. Whether or not you're going to place your faith and your trust in Jesus. Whether or not you're going to pursue him for the right reasons. Whether or not you have that desire to have your thirst and your hunger for the things of this world. Things that will perish. Things that are not everlasting. Whether or not you will have your desires for those things disappear. whether or not you will make Christ your number one, which is exactly where he deserves to be. As the band makes their way forward, we're gonna pray. I would just ask that you bow your hands, heads with me. God, I come to you right now today and I thank you for this day. I thank you for your word and for the truth that it declares to us. Father, you sent your son so that we might never hunger again, so that we might find sustainment on this imperfect earth from a perfect Savior. And all it takes is our belief. God, it sounds too good to be true, and so we struggle with it. We struggle to make that commitment. We struggle to dive in. We struggle to put aside our selfish desires and our selfish ambition to follow Christ. But Lord, when we place our faith in Jesus, when you put us in his hand, we are not forsaken. He never lets go. He is here. He is with us. He is for us. And all it takes is for us to just believe. God, give us hearts that pursue you and pursue him out of faith and not a desire for what it is that we might gain. Help us to show the world who Christ really is. We ask these things in Jesus' powerful name. Amen. I'm going to have a few people stand up around the room and be ready to pray with you this morning. Rodney, could you stand up? He'll be kind of over here to the left on the side of the bar. I'll come over here. Uh, by the television here to be ready to pray for you. If you have anything that you need to pray about, come pray with us, please. We would love to pray for you. We would absolutely love to pray for you. We know that uh, 
where people gather in his name, okay, Christ is there, right? God is there. We, we are promised that. And so come gather with us as we pray with you and pray for whatever need that it is that you might have. If you need to come talk with one of us about what it would mean for you to place your, fu- your faith in Jesus, what it would mean for you to, to kind of turn the reins over on your life, to him and allow him to kind of take the lead in steering which way you should go. Come talk to us about that today. Otherwise, this time is for you to stand. It's for you to worship. It's for you to contemplate, meditate on what it is that God has done for you in your life and to praise him for it. So do that with us now. And uh, thank you all again for being here. Really, it means the world.